0: Hello everyone and welcome to The Great Beyond, Episode 3. We're coming off one of the greatest conversations I've personally ever had in Episode 2, so I hope everyone really enjoyed it. Life-changing. But we realized that the last two episodes may have triggered some of the Jaded Vets' PTSD, so in our third installment, we thought we'd have a gentle, fun, light conversation that I think every music fan loves to have about their favorite bands and their favorite songs.
1: That's right. Today we'll be talking with the editorial director of Jam Scott Bernstein. It seemed fitting to bring in Scott not only because of his extensive knowledge of music in the scene, but also because of Jambase's March Madness covers bracket, where fans voted on matchups of cover versions of songs, as well as the recent announcement that the Fish cover album, Clusterflies, will be dropping featuring friend of the podcast and Chris Myers impressionist, Ben Atkins. And
2: since this isn't a Goose podcast, we won't even mention things like our favorite Goose covers or songs we think Goose should cover, so don't even worry about any of that and there's no way there will be a link in the description of this episode to a Spotify playlist with our goose covers wish list so no need to worry about that either but if there is feel free to check it out and let us
0: know on socials what you think and what we should add to it but before we you know jump under the covers here oh god all right let's see what's going on in the news So Greg and I are looking extra tan today because we just returned from the tropical paradise of the Live Oak Forest down at the Spirit of Swanee where not only did we get to see a lot of our favorite bands for the first time in who knows how long, we got to meet a lot of cool new people and captured some great conversations throughout the weekend.
2: I didn't get to meet any of these cool new people. I no, just no? want to make that known to all the listeners out there.
0: What did you do at home?
2: I can't really describe what I did at home. It's it's similar to what I do most nights by myself in the darkness of my apartment. So This is a podcast for families as well, so so we'll leave it at that.
1: Yeah, that's right. So be on the lookout for episode four, coming soon to a theater near you, where we break down the weekend and play back some of our favorite conversations.
2: And I heard Umphreys wasn't the only group Ben got to sit in on. He also jacked my spot for me on the podcast, which I'm just... Reading about now in the podcast notes, so I will be taking that up with Joey and Greg a little later. Did very well. Um, that's great to hear. But since I wasn't able to attend, we figured we'd keep going with this idea and take the mics out on the road for legs one and two of summer tour. So be sure
1: to be on the lookout for us and hit us up on socials for a chance to be interviewed at the shows. But before then, all these Goose fans got another little gift from Franca Basco and Terry Alfredo.
2: Terri Alfredo. Terry
1: Alfredo. That's so Ready music video. Kaleidoscopic Rick. Fran Petit Lupin looking good as an animated Frenchman. Riding that bike. And of course, Lloyd 2.0. Strangely missing from the video, probably because it was just out of budget to be able to animate that beautiful man.
2: It is. It's only God can craft the jawline quite like Jeff's. I, you know, I feel bad for the animator put up to that task. You'll never achieve that kind of perfection. It's like a granite quarry, you know, just molded out of the side of a cliff. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, a, it's a tall task.
0: Oh, and it was wonderful to see that love story unfold, which I heard is actually how Rick and Karina met at a 70s nightclub called... Shenanigans, They did. And those were the dance moves he used to serenade her, I believe. A lot like Captain
2: America, um, living forever on that serum. Same with Rick. It's just
1: a vegan serum. I haven't, I haven't seen it. <laughs> <Too long>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude. <Yeah. laughs> I can tell you what kind of podcast this is not. Um.
2: <laughs> uh, well, in other news, our friend John Caruso, the editor-in-chief of the El Goose Times has announced that he is taking the paper on the road so be on the lookout for those and be sure to pick up your copy on lot.
1: Extra, extra read all about it. We're lucky enough to get a little idea of all the fans contributing and it sounds like a great project for the fan base. Really, really excited to see what it
0: looks like. Yeah, it's really just another thing for me to obsessively collect out on lot but hey, at least these are free on like the prints and the pins and the stickers that the band makes me buy.
2: Yeah, as far as the news, hopefully that's everything and the band didn't decide to announce anything in between us recording this episode and releasing the episode.
1: Well, as their publicist, it'd be nice to be in on these things, but it's the improvisation that we all love most from this band. Indeed. Kind of like releasing the So Ready video early or leaking it on YouTube. Whoopsie doodle. (laughs) Just a marketing strategy, we all know that. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, we'll be right back with our interview with Scott Bernstein. For now, please enjoy a sample of the recently released single, So Ready. Great to have you here with us today to talk about covers. Coincidentally enough, Jam Base actually has a compilation of covers coming out soon on vinyl that a lot of incredibly talented artists and Ben Akind, who's pretty good too, he's all right, will be uh, part- he participated in making. Um, so I figured we could start off by having you give us a little bit of rundown on the details for this exciting upcoming release.
3: Sure, well, a few months after the pandemic took hold, and we saw that. Some of Jan Bass' usual income streams have taken a hit. We wanted to come up with a, a way to raise income in a fun and creative way. Thus was born Clusterflies, a compilation celebrating Fisher's Farmhouse album and other songs from that same era. We had a diverse group of artists, including Umphries McGee's Brenda Bayliss, Sullivan Esso, William Tyler, Amy Helm, Chris Forsythe, Lindsay Lou, Strand of Oaks, Riley Walker and the super group led by Tim Palmieri, that as you mentioned, included Ben on drums, that each contributed fish covers to the compilation. And Clusterflies is available for pre sale at clusterflies.com through May 3rd, featuring artwork created by uh, Jim Pollock, who many people know is a longtime fish collaborator. Um, and a, a separate Clusterflies uh, Pollock poster is available to bundle with the triple gatefold, 180 gram vinyl edition, and there's also a standalone vinyl edition without the poster, and um, high-res digital version that can be downloaded as well. And We're so happy with how it came out. And I want to shout out Jambase's CEO, David Onigman, for doing a fantastic job steering the project. And we're, we're really thankful for all those who supported Jambase to ensure that we'll be around for a long time to come, and a new track drops each day through the end of the month, and as well as episodes of the Jam Based Podcast featuring these dives into the history of each song.
0: Oh, very cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear how that turns out. One thing I was curious about, and this may just be totally by coincidence, but it has been 20 years since that album Sharon in the Groove came out, which seems like a very similar project where it's a lot of artists that are either influenced by Fish or just influenced Fish themselves playing Fish songs. Was that at all? related to the creation of this project is that at all an inspiration the fact that it's been 20 years or is that merely just a coincidence that i'm noticing
3: no i i gotta admit i didn't realize it was the 20th anniversary Sharon okay, and yeah. the crew, <laughs> until you brought it off uh, <laughs> which in, in itself is a fantastic compilation
2: yeah and we're all big fish fans too so we're all looking forward to that album coming out um so to get into the cover conversation a little bit with you scott so i think there are some obvious reasons why people like Covers so much. Um, to me personally, it's usually a favorite song by a different band that can make it new and interesting and feel fresh again. For example, and Goose does a really good job of putting their own spin on covers and picking great songs to covers. Um, so from that perspective, it makes sense that fans would maybe want to hear them play some of their old favorites from other bands. You've grown the user base at JamBase quite a bit over the years, and based on how many covers you guys have covered, it stands to reason that people really must love covers and not just when Goose plays them. Because I did notice that in the Jam Base collection of music news, there was almost 3,000 results that came up when I filtered by cover songs. So that's a lot of cover coverage, if you will. <laughs> I had to, had to make that yeah. terrible joke. So, so, Scott, what do you think are a couple major reasons why people love covers so much that it's considered print-worthy when bands bust them out?
3: Well, usually when bands focus, usually bands do focus on originals. So if they're playing a cover for the first time or the first time in a long time, that in itself is newsworthy. And also, as you said, music fans typically love covers. So if we come across a video of, say, Julian Baker covering Radiohead's everything in its right place for for Sirius XM, we're probably more likely to write that up than if she just played an original for them.
2: Right, yeah, that totally makes sense. And, I mean, we get part of the reason, part of the genesis for this episode is that on our fan groups, we hear this topic of covers come up all of the time and all of the Goose fans will know about that pretty well. But, you know, it kind of, to some of us, it never really it never really gets old. Um, and it does kind of create a fun, positive discussion for fans to get to know each other. What are some of the other ways that you think that kind of conversation comes up and why does it precipitate so much amongst so many bands and fans?
3: I think it's a good entry point into learning about a new band. It, you have a, a familiarity with the song that they're playing, but you still get to hear what a band like Goose brings to um, their interpretation of a cover. So I I think that's a a big part of why people love love covers so much. And again, it makes an easy entry point to learning about new artists.
0: Yeah, definitely. I feel the same thing. I tell everyone I meet when I'm talking about Goose is there. Peach Fest, Mississippi Half Step was a big part of me really accepting this band and hearing their sound in a song that I truly, really love. So the fact that they could bring that unique sound to it is what made me just fall at their feet and say, oh, I'm going to follow this band around constantly. So in March at JamBase, you guys developed a March Madness covers competition based on the style of a tournament bracket. And Billy Strings really took the title with his cover of Warfrat at the Capitol Theater. I listened to it earlier this week just to remind myself, and it's a beautiful, gorgeous rendition of a dead song, especially at the cap, which really makes it, you know, a little bit more special to have that energy behind it. What do you think were some of the reasons that the fans voted for this cover, especially when it was put up against that great little wing by Trey and Tadessi Trucks?
3: Yeah, I was really surprised by that result. We were just hoping that it wasn't going to be... Fish boogie on versus yeah. Trey <laughs> and So, I mean, Billy Strings, he's so hot right now. So as, hot. As right they now. say. Um, it's been wild to see how how big his fan base has grown. And add that to the popularity of The Grateful Dead and the spot on rendition of Warcraft uh, that Billy and his band turned game And I guess you got yourself a winner.
2: It is really a great cover, by the way, for anybody who hasn't listened to that. Jambase has all these covers from the brackets up on their website.
0: So do check them out. Speaking of Warfret, going off the Dead thing, might as well go back to the Grateful Dead and how they really brought covers to a live sense. I know, you know, covering music has been a thing since music has been a thing. I mean, a lot of composers put their sheet music out there to get as many people as possible to play it. That was kind of the point of writing music. But the way they, the Dead really brought it into the live sense of we have such a huge catalog of music, both original and covers here's you know pretty much a huge education for the fan base. How do you think their playing covers live was different than what was really happening in rock and roll towards the end of the 60s and all that?
3: I think it was just the diversity it was pulling from different centuries even the, from the traditional songs yeah. to the fact that they would they covered Lawrence uh, Evans. Um, Werewolves alum yeah. did, I believe, a few weeks after he actually released the song. Oh, wow. Man. So it was that pulling from different time frames. And, you know, it introduced a lot of their fans to music that they might not have known otherwise if the didn't cover them.
2: Yeah, for sure. And that's one of the things that we like about Goose Covers, too. They pull covers from indie covers from different generations, so yeah, introducing fans, and I mean, we have fans that span many generations, so it does introduce a lot of the younger fans, especially to some very old songs like um, Elvis covers, right, like yeah, the, his I, latest flame. I wouldn't know a lot of Tom Waits' songs if not for Goose. They really introduced me to him. So even though this podcast has nothing to do with Goose, um, <laughs> I feel that I should know that Goose was in the competition with Tomorrow Never Knows, Beatles cover that they did a great job with at Goosemas in 2019, so... They got knocked off in the second round by a killer cover of Cashmere by Umphreys with Kanika Moore, which I... Yeah, it's just they, not fair. They didn't stand a chance. Um, <laughs> well, one thing that I really liked about the setup for the tournament that you guys had going on at Jam Base was that at least in the first round, you pit the same cover song by different bands against one another. Um, Goose was up against P4 for the version of the Beatles tune. Umphries was up against Dopopods, Cashmere, that included some horns, etc., Um, So finding the same covers by multiple bands was obviously one aspect that went into picking the covers for the tournament. But I was interested in knowing what else went into that selection process for picking bands and picking songs.
3: Well, again, we were aiming for some diversity. Um, We also looked at the show-off, Jan bases live video archive, which features over 100,000 free concert videos, easily sortable and filterable. And Andy Kahn, our editor-in-chief, He really took the lead on March Madness and did a fantastic job in coming up with the format and taking the first stab at picking the entrance, making sure no band was included twice, and that each selection was a a good representation of of the artist.
2: We were also thinking, and, and Joey and I were talking about some great covers in music history. For example, I know Joey had listed a couple. What were some great covers that you think you know, just musically, just in general, really um, stood out in terms of music history, or at least in your experience with music.
3: In terms of music history, I mean, All Along the Watchtower yeah. by Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Just how he put his own, completely his own spin on Bob Dylan's tune and showed how an artist can completely reinvent the song. I think that's one of the most important covers in, in, in rock history. And I think most people that cover Watchtower go play the, the Hendrix version more than they do the the, the Dylan version.
0: Oh, yeah. As a younger classic rock fan, I didn't even know it was a Bob Dylan song until like my later teen years. I always thought it was a Jimi Hendrix song just because I had only heard that version. Um, but going off more Bob Dylan songs, I mean, I feel like the birds covering Mr. Tambourine Man really took like that Laurel Canyon sound that really hadn't been heard by the mass population and really brought it to the forefront. In terms of of covers, I, I got to admit, Scott, I love covers as much as the next person.
2: And I have a couple key ones that I could always name off the top of my head that I wish some bands would play like Goose or Fish or some others. Um, You know, as far as you and, and your experience as a music fan, do you also have a burning desire for any particular band that you like to cover a specific song? Or as a music fan, is that not really a typical consideration for you?
3: I mean, I You know, I'm not big on requesting songs. Um, I have lots of faith in the artists themselves. I'd rather them decide what they think would be the better fit. Um, Because if they're not into it, it's not going to translate well. Um, But if you put a gun to my head and said, if there are songs that you'd want to, I'd love to see Goose Play uh Charlie's Name" by Steely Dan, like, "Let's Get him di- Dig in on Sand" by by Fish, yeah. um, and I also love that Goose is so open to the Yacht Rock era, and <laughs> on that, on that, and uh, Players' Baby Come Back would just be a perfect <laughs> fit for uh, yeah for, for Goose. Oh
1: man, yeah, those are some good ones for sure. So you got to embrace the Yacht Rock with those mustaches. Absolutely. You have to do <laughs> absolutely. It. Um, so we've been, we've been talking kind of, you know, internally just about some of our favorite and notable covers in general. want to mention a couple of mine uh, as a really not ever a Bob Dylan fan myself. I I'm feeling comfortable saying that publicly now. Um, I always have like enjoyed where, when, um, when I paint my masterpiece where that's always gone, uh, but yeah. like my favorite kind of, I guess, cover of the aughts would be, Valerie, Amy Winehouse's cover of the uh, the Zuton song. Oh, yeah?
3: Wow. That's a great one.
1: Yeah. Um, Bruce, what do you got? A few I can think of off the top of my head was a Chester Bennington
2: cover doing Adele, Rolling in the Deep, that I just found really not that long ago. I was listening to some vocal coach on YouTube and found that, and it was pretty incredible um, oh, to hear a male pull off the vocals in a song like that that Adele absolutely rips. Um, you know, a couple others that I, I noted was like, the Fugees doing Kill Him Softly by Roberta Flack it was a classic. And then, of course, I couldn't go a whole podcast episode without mentioning Madonna. One of her favorite, one of my favorite songs of hers, Love Don't Live Here Anymore, was another one, like Joey had mentioned, I didn't realize was a cover. A really beautiful song.
0: Yeah, I know you guys. I mean, we've mentioned Jimi Hendrix and Bob Dylan a bunch, but I'm going to mention Hendrix one more time. Scott, you mentioned that the dead covered. Werewolves of London just after it came out. One of my favorite covers is Hendrix doing Sgt. Pepper three days after the album came out Ooh, yeah. <laughs> with Paul and George in the audience, which is one of like the ballsiest moves you could possibly make, but it's so perfect for, I think, the discussion we're talking about where it's just, you know, it's going beyond people's expectations, looking at what's established or what's considered quote-unquote sacred and just saying, well, you know, I don't care about these established rules. I'm going to put my own spin on it. And you can like it, you can not like it, but here it is. And another one that's a huge cover of mine is Wilson Pickett's version of Hey Jude, which he did down in Muscle Shoals with Dwayne Allman, which uh, legend yeah. has it got Dwayne Allman and Derek and the Dominoes once Eric Clapton heard that solo. Oh, which, wow. Which, uh, oh. Great choice. It's bold to say that I like a Hey Jude more than the Beatles version of Hey Jude. But, you know, fans can complain in the comments if they want, I guess. But <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stick with it. But Scott, do you have any just general covers that really stick out in your minds that you go back to and you go, I could put it up against the original and this one's always going to win out?
3: Um, In an odd way, uh 2001 by Diodato Mm -hmm. um, what he took from that classical version and funkified it. Um, I know most people in our scene uh, feel like Fish did that, but that's not true. Get get yourself familiar with Diodato. Um, And I absolutely uh, love the version from the live album that, that he put out. Um, I also love Modesky Martin-Wood's cover of Crosstown Traffic um, oh, wow. while we're, we're talking Jimmy. Um, and uh, Last Train Home, the song by Pat McNeely, um, Umphreys co- covers that once every five or six years. And I just uh, absolutely am in love with, with that cover.
2: Yeah, those, that's a good one. I mean, I'm going to go back and listen to a lot of these probably later. Right, um, definitely. You know, Scott, as far as, as Goose goes, you know, we all have our favorite covers that they do. They've done a lot of covers. We've obviously heard fans lament that uh, in the past. And uh, and of course, it's also worked in a lot of ways to, to to grow their fan base and get a lot of people acquainted with the band. As far as you go, Scott, do you have a, a favorite co- song that Goose covers?
3: Um, I would say like uh, I, I love their version of Cross-Eyed. I think they bring something different to it than a lot of the other bands that have covered it. Um, I love their version of the way it is. Um, mm, I think yeah. it fits re- really nicely in the repertoire and then all of a sudden, Rick is just shredding. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: And I'll say Knights uh, and White Satin will always hold a special place in my heart as that was the first good show that I saw. So oh, wow. I kind of grew, grew, grew up with uh, that <laughs> that cover. We'll, I'll always date that back to uh, when I
1: started. Being elbow to elbow on that balcony. How how (laughs) could we forget? How could we forget? Yeah, and
2: just for the fans out there, they covered that in Williamsburg, uh, January twenty fifth, twenty twenty. Definitely take a listen; it's really good.
1: Yeah. So I think, as far as it goes for me, um, one thing about covers that you know. We've certainly heard the Goose guys play a ton of them over the years. You know, Bruce and I sh- shouting at them to play certain things from corners of small bars in Connecticut. Um, but I, you know, a few that really stick out to me, um, I've always liked what, what Goose does with, with Atlas by the Wood Brothers. Um, I think, you know, that's just, a, it's a jam vehicle for them. But in the past couple of years, a years, a few songs have really been kind of like the litmus test for how much Peter has progressed on keys. And I would say... Like Dancing in the Moonlight and Escape, the Pina Colada song, really like go. if you if you go from 2018 to now, you can just hear Peter's progression, um, which is pretty incredible. You know, a guy that just knew major and minor chords kind of coming into joining the band and, and as far as he's come.
0: Uh, so I came in this morning blasting Praise Stroken from June 2nd, 2018 in my headphones. I've been screaming for that song to be played, at least just stroken because it's just so much fun. You know, I believe Peter was shirtless when he was singing this, so I'm so sorry I missed that. But it was so uh, perfect for, I think, where they were. Like that show, I, Peter and Rick have noted in the past that it was a monumental show for them. The fact that they drew this huge crowd down in Covington, it really became like a home place for them. Uh, so that, as the encore, really is a, a favorite of mine. Another one, like I said, the Peach Fest Mississippi Half Step, I think brought so many fans into Goose and introduced them in such a great way. And then my final one is the bingo tour in your eyes. You know, not listed on their list.
2: A mystery ball, Joey. A mystery ball. That's what
0: I I was looking for. Uh, But I was alone in my living room and I was jumping up and down when they started to go into it. I thought it was the perfect cover. Um, I hope to hear it. Well, it's interesting too, because
2: now I was just thinking of something that I wanted to ask Scott. So as far as like one of my favorite covers, give me Lady Marmalade
3: all day. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm thinking <laughs>
2: into female singers and I love their cover of What's Up. But um, <laughs> it's perfect for Franz Lep- Petit Le Pen, whatever Peter's name is. So, um, but Scott, I wanted to ask. So a lot of fans kind of ride Goose a little bit for having a lot of covers. I think they have about 50 original songs that I think are all fantastic, but they do play a lot of covers during shows. and my take as a music fan has always been I go to see a, a band or a musician or a bunch of musicians perform. Like I'm going to see them perform regardless of whether they're playing originals or covers or whether they're lining them all up or leading into songs or playing individual songs at a time. Um, but a lot of fans seem to critique them on that basis. Um, so I'm kind of wondering, in your opinion, you know, when you're when you're going to a show or maybe even in your mind evaluating a show, you know, is, it, is that something that let's say you'd like to see less of in general from bands, not just Goose, like that you'd like to see more of their originals and like to see less covers, or does it matter to you? Not much in the same way that kind of doesn't matter to me that I'm just going to go see a bunch of musicians perform and put on a performance and, and t- kind of take what they give me.
3: I'd, I'd say it's the latter. And that goes back to what I'm saying about, and I'm not a big request guy. I want to hear the musicians play what they feel, is best for that evening and for that concert. Um, and I certainly have no problem with the amount of covers that this plays. And, uh, you know, I hate seeing people give them, you know, uh, gruff work because uh, I don't want it to change where they're scared to play right. covers. Um, so again, I, I think... It's part of the artistry of a band. I generally like to let the artist be the artist.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely, and something I've noticed, at least, you know, starting to play music with people, I feel like playing covers and bands in an early age, or at least in the formative years of the band, really learning each other's influences and developing this unique sound. How important would you say that is for a new bands when you're coming up to just play as many covers, not only, you know, Different covers, but I guess across different genres. Or maybe you're afraid to play these kinds of songs that you know. You, you know, maybe you don't play a Latin beat too much, or you know, you don't listen to country western or bluegrass. But you want to force yourself almost to play these songs so that you can grow your sound. How important do you think that is to younger bands and particular bands we see in the scene today? I
3: mean, you take a instance of a Fish who are playing lots of Grateful Dead songs at their first. Hundred shows, and then drop those dead covers from the repertoire um, because they walk in there and they try to separate themselves. And Andre's mm-hmm. McGee kind of the same thing with Fish. They yeah. started out at their first uh, handful of shows playing a bunch of Fish songs and moved on from that. I, I think it's part of the process of, of
1: developing. Yeah. So, Scott, before we wrap it up, um, you were one of the one of the people I'd, I saw, I think, one of the last concerts I went to pre-pandemic uh, with, you know, at Williamsburg. Um, and it was a great time, but it's been a kind of a cold and dark year without music. Uh, so I'm really excited to, to have shows on the horizon. Um, I'm wondering what you're most excited to see, whether like which bands are you most excited to see once music is back and uh, maybe which venues you're excited to get back to.
3: Um, very excited to get back to Brooklyn Bowl. That's kind of like home base, and um, yeah, for sure. yeah, I, yeah. I miss that spot. Um, so I'll be excited to get back there. Um, excited to see what the Westfield Music Bowl is all about. Hoping to see Goose and J Rad and um, Humphreys there. Um, but it's 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 just really weird time, man, and um, having a hard time. Wrapping my head around making plans too far in advance. Um, everything seems to change so quickly, and um, you know I, it's just to be in a, a, a MSG surrounded by people on on all sides. It's uh, a part of me that has anxiety about that, and I hope that that goes away by the time that we're um, ready to go a concert that MSG and MSG is open to a full capacity.
2: Scott, one question I had for you that actually veers a little away from covers. Um, just I wanted to note that you had just done a, write, a write-up on the So Ready music video and single that came out recently. I just noticed it the other day up on Jambay. So I just wondered, now uh, any thoughts that you wanted to share with the listeners on that So Ready music video, what you thought about it?
0: Who you thought had the best dance moves, perhaps? <laughs> yeah.
3: I thought it was great, and I love the animated versions of it. The, the The bands and the team have done a really great job with the shenanigans uh, rollout. I've been very impressed. and uh, It's it's worthy. It's been so long since the last album, and obviously this band is a completely different band than the one that recorded Moon Cabin. Um, so it's an uh, exciting time, but I thought they did a great job. It's already a thought. They kept it concise um which is what you want to do in the studio for in, in many cases
1: thank you so much for joining us today ladies and gentlemen the editorial director of Jambase, great to talk to you on the phone and not just send you incessant weekly emails um <laughs> but fantastic to pick your brain hear a little bit more about what you know and we are so excited to uh to see you out on the road hopefully this summer if you make it to Westville, we'll have some surprises in store, so we hope you can visit us.
0: Yeah, look your best, Scott.
1: <laughs> yeah, excellent.
3: Excellent. Well, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Thanks for having it on. And if I could just uh, hit uh, clusterflies.com one more time, we, we a- appreciate the, this, the support.
1: Clusterflies.com. Listen to Vulture's Ben Atkind sings. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! That's that's worth it right there, right there for (laughs) sure. All right, Scott, thank you so much for calling in today. We appreciate you uh, you being on.
2: Thanks a ton, Scott. Thank you so much.
1: Take care, guys. Make me cool. Thanks, Scott, one more time for joining us. We talked a lot about the history of covers and the importance of covers to audiences. But since this is one of the hottest running topics in El Goose... Hot. Hot. Hot, 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 hot. We thought we'd like to give you some songs that we've been begging Goose to cover over the years. So if I may, I've been yearning for Kiss from a
0: Rose by Seal. Can we get a little taste of that right now? Thanks, Rob. (laughs) The other oh, I meant like an actual clip of the actual song, not you guys to sing it for. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Right. So, I thought it was. I thought he was asking for us. They'd do it better than I'm I would. Sorry. So why that choice, though?
1: Um. So I always thought I. So I had that that album, Seal's album, when I was a kid. I loved it. I always thought maybe one day I'd start a cover band called uh, Sea Lion Seal <laughs> Experience. Um. But you know. Those days are gone. I've settled into my role as a podcaster slash publicist. So instead I'll try to live vicariously through Rick.
0: You picture Rick singing the song. Any key moments while they're playing the song you'd like to see? Theatrical moments?
1: Yeah, I'd love to see... uh, Peter, descend from the ceiling, dressed as Batman.
0: As would not we all. <laughs>
2: I'd like to see Jeff with a rose in his mouth, you know, kind of like crawling on the stage like cats, you know, like crawling towards Rick as Rick, like, sings him
1: to a lullaby, into a sweet, romantic lullaby. I think somehow Jeff would figure out a way to play that rose rhythmically. Yeah, maybe even Jeff
0: could He's got the grit. Does. That, yeah. That rock the Casbah. I mean, he's got yeah. it down.
1: Anyone else with a more serious response? Yeah, how about you, Bruce?
2: (laughs) Uh, Well, if we're going to me, it's definitely not going to be a more serious response. I mean, there honestly are a ton of songs that I've wanted them to cover over the years. Soul Kitchen by The Doors is one of them that I think would be super cool. They could make it, modernize it a little bit, super funky. Potentially something like uh, even Dancer, like Neutron Dance by the Pointer Sisters, which I think would be pretty cool. Um, or Caribbean Queen, something like that, something disco But really, I want them to cover Madonna really badly. And there is a Madonna song off her debut album simply titled Madonna called of it? Burning Up. And this song rocks. Um, there's some really cool parts to it. Uh, one of the reasons why I like and I think it would be perfect for them is because it's definitely Rick or Peter both could, could really carry the tune. Um, and, and it's got a really cool part for a rocking guitar jam. Uh, that Rick could lead into after some funny lyrics. So I would just absolutely be floored if they played that and ripped it up. Uh, But Joey, that leaves you. I hate
0: going last because there's a lot of expectations, but I also have a massive list. A lot of female vocalists on that list as well. Good boy. um, Spanning across different genres, but one that really stuck out to me, I think they would do a great job, especially because it would be very much, not really out of left field, but very different from what they've done in the past is the – First song off Daft Punk's album, Random Access Memories, give life back to music. Mm. I think the musicality in it is perfect for this band. I think the use of not auto tune, but the voice modulator, as Greg has mentioned several times, <laughs> <Auto-tune>. <laughs> vocal harmonizer, folks. Exactly. I think it would work great with Rick. I mean, and I think they could most of all just take this song into so many different places that nobody ever would have thought possible. So I think it, it would be a really cool cover for me. And as we mentioned earlier, we'll be linking a Spotify playlist in the description of this episode. So be sure to check it out and let us know if there are any additions you think we should add.
2: Like we said, we'll be out on tour this summer. So hit us up on socials for a chance to be featured on the podcast. Joey's going to be at the Frederick shows. We're all going to be at the Charleston show. Greg and I will be at Pelham. All three of us will be at Swansea and New Haven, and we've got some special surprises in store for New Haven, so do look your best. It's going to be an elegant event. Yeah. And I will be at Legend Valley, um, so obviously I know you're all going to come to me at Legend Valley, but we're all going to be at all these shows, so make sure to check us out, hit us up on socials,
1: and uh, get your chance to be interviewed. If I can get my vacation approved, I'll be at everything
0: self-employed Greg Knight still has to get approved by our manager (laughs) Kathleen Rothschild right (laughs) send us
1: mimosas please fax them to Legend Valleys. Um, so be sure to check out episode four coming very very soon once we filter through Joey's four hour monologue while meditating in the river special that sounds weird you don't want to miss it it Uh, was a lot nice it was a heavy moment it's almost as good as episode two I've
0: been there (laughs) The Great Beyond was engineered by Robbie Chemical at Gary's Electric in Brooklyn, New York. On behalf of my co-hosts, I'd like to thank Scott Bernstein of Jambase, our manager, Kathleen Rothschild, and most of all, you, the listeners, for tuning in. Be sure to catch a ride with us next time on the pathway to the Great Beyond.